get started with the nosages. I was about to just go and then I just, anyway. Uh, hey, we're back. It's Lisa, Ian, and Andre. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Hey, everyone. Hello. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. We're not trying to stay away from you guys. Um, we're just trying to thoughtfully consume uh, more content that is meaningful to us. Not that we've been watching things blindly. I mean, nobody's watching The Bachelor in this group. But uh, we have been more, uh, in light of our current times and true to our inner selves, we've been watching more shit that matters, let's just say. Um, not all of it has to be important, but we wanted to sort of kick off kind of this new way of thinking or actually our regular way of thinking by demonstrating our outsides from our insides. Does that make sense? Or or like watching things, I think, in a different light, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I've, I've, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast, but I, I kind of always have been watching stuff yeah. that way. I get into a lot of trouble with a few listeners who took exception to my take on Bird Box because I said if it was a black family, it would have been a 20-minute long film. Uh, I remember that. And, y'all were, and then somebody was like so mad, they wrote like a, a review of like, just what if it flipped the script? Well, the script is always flipped like that. Usually, white person. <laughs> you silly white supremacist. Get out of our comments. Um, so anyway... So I kind of like look at stuff that way anyway. But, you know, if you're not down for us talking about um, issues like that and brown and black people and justice, uh, we're not for you. I'll move along. Well, I mean, also, I have to. Yeah, I also have to say, like, where we've always kind of took a, a more critically political look at the stuff we watch. And that's just because art is is political and it always has been and always will be. Um, and that's why I kind of have no patience for people that are just like, oh, just leave the politics out of it. I just want to enjoy my TV shows. And I'm like, well, I would, I, I would love to be able to say that, but unfortunately it's not the case. So Watch the Bachelor. Watch the Bachelor. There's all kinds of shit on TV and listen to those podcasts and have a good time. Move along. Uh, but if you're here for justice and queer shit and black and brown stuff and indigenous shit and all the kind of stuff that, you know, and I don't mean shit, like I'm talking about stuff, <laughs> joint <laughs> jams, you know. What's this shit? This, you know, we're, we're going to be watching not a, a lot of white shit. <laughs> we're going to be watching a lot of stuff that matters to us. Starting uh, kicking it off with Watchmen. Now, before everybody got on the Watchmen train, I want to say I wanted to do Watchmen before HBO made it free. I'm trying. I'm going to not normally does this stuff bother me, but it was like I had this idea and then everybody was like, y'all need to watch Watchmen. And I was like, <laughs> I had already planned for us to do that on the podcast, but it doesn't matter. Um, I'm glad that everybody's watching Watchmen because I think it kind of s- snuck by everybody. It was kind of like Preacher, I think. Not well, a lot of people watch Preacher. If you remember what was going on, that's true. If you remember what was going on at the time, you had Game of Thrones um, coming to an end and or in its full sway and then also Robot and other things were going on. So it kind of, kind of got laid by the wayside. And I remember watching Watchmen going, wait a minute. There was a massacre in 1921 in Tulsa of Black Wall Street. Yep. What the fuck? Now, can I'm not shocked by not knowing that because I went to uh, school in the Alabama school system, which is basically like throwing a rock into a river. It's about that much. That's useful enough to get an education. So I'm not shocked that I didn't know that. But I thought I knew a lot of black history that I did not know. So I, I didn't like, know that either. Yeah. I, I realized that we, we skated over a lot 
in a in a public school education like a lot. Yeah. Um. And I guess that I mean that's what happens when it comes down to two things. It comes down to we we teach history like it had some sort of end all solution. So we're always taught that like, well, when when the Union won the Civil War, slavery was ended. Not true. When Martin Luther King made the speech, racism ended. Not true. That's how we're taught. Like, it's not a problem anymore. That's how it used to be, you know? And then the second thing is just we, 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 I remember in middle school and high school, every year in history, unless you were taking a specialized course in like 1500s Western history, history or something like that, it was the same stuff that we would touch on again and again and again with slightly different levels of of how we understand it and whatnot but it was always the same story that we were being told over and over again yeah same story with the the same outcome yeah then the civil war then the civil rights movement and then the world wars and then that was it and we did that every single year and i there there was something you posted lisa or shared on facebook where it was like oh you didn't know about the tulsa massacre and did you know about all of these things and i'm like man i didn't (laughs) because we were never taught that you know so I, I have so like especially with everything myself. going on, yeah, yeah. yeah, especially with everything going on, I'm I'm more incentivized to go go and learn about the stuff that right. I missed out on, and that's you know, what we're doing it, now. It paints, yeah, yeah, and it's easy to do it with art. Like I'm watching Queen Sugar. I highly recommend us watching that series and maybe talking about that. I highly recommend just, um, you know, everybody, the whites have had the run, <laughs> they've had the content, <laughs> they've they've held it down for years. Uh, I watched all of it. I watched all of it, and and it's uh, and I grew up in the Jim Crow South, where in the seventh grade I went into social studies class, and Mrs. Stewart had put scissors on everybody's textbook, and we would go to the pages concerning Martin Luther King and cut them out, wow. cut a big triangle in the middle of them, and I refused to do it. I cut some pages out of the bibliography in the back, which ended up fucking me up later. I just want to say, and um really made homework kind of hard well relatively hard in Alabama you know um I learned how to read and write I considered it a success anyway so and then I, I took this kind of over the head of the teacher and went to the school board and got into a lot of trouble with my dad who was deeply racist and so there it began for me so I've kind of had to fight to kind of know about black history in a world that was designed to celebrate the losing side of the civil war statues everywhere we fucking hated the statues we were constantly throwing shit at the statues and fucking with them all that kind of shit i think i've said that before but and then i didn't know about tulsa and and when you learn about tulsa not only is it just like i I didn't know that it's like how fucking horrible so you you want the black people to rise up from their bootstraps but when they did that when they went out there and they conquered and they had their own shit going on and they were rising you annihilated them the cops the military the citizens murdered americans because they bootstrapped themselves up now didn't they hmm ain't that some shit so uh, and then on top of that element of watchmen and uh, isn't the the writer of these graphic novels isn't he a white guy Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe he is. So English white guy. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to, to finish the books or start the books, really. But I was just like, what an unusual perspective. I was kind of shocked that the guy wasn't black. Um, 
but I thought it was very astute the way Lindelof and I think it's Nick Kuz or Kuze, I don't know how to say your last name, Nick, uh, took this and adapted it for the screen. I, I don't, I was blown away by the casting. I was blown away by the superhero part of it. But the undercurrent running through all of this is Angela Abar's story and her grandfather, Hooded Justice. I, I'm still spinning. We just, I just finished the rewatch this morning. And I think it's, the finale moves me, but it's the next to the last episode, A God Walks Into Abar. Um, that is probably one of the best episodes of television that I've seen. It goes in there in the top 15, top 20 list of best episodes ever on TV. Yeah. Um, it's a master in telling a complicated story well. It's a master in keeping the tension taut. Uh, delightfully played between Yaya and Regina. Just one of my favorite episodes of television ever. Um, and I'll stop spouting. What it, You guys, wh- how did it hit you? How did this whole series hit you guys? Well, can I just tell you guys how utterly confused I was for most of it? Because I never watched the Zack Snyder movie. I never read any of the comics. I was doing like a little Googling on the original story because I was like, I think it was like episode four. I was like, I need to stop down and figure out <laughs> who these people are supposed to be. Because I, I knew this was supposed to be some sort of sequel series. Um, but I, for the first couple of episodes, I was just like, I was following it just fine, but then things would happen like the squid thing and like the Adrian Vite thing. I'm like, I feel like I'm already supposed to know who these people are Same. and what's already happening. <laughs> and I mean, like, I don't really fault the show for that. I mean, like, you know, it's the, it's the MCU complex, you know, just go watch the thing and then watch the other thing. Or watch it backwards. Um, or watch them backwards like Lisa did. Um, no, I, you know, what struck me from the very beginning was its unabashed way of just like mystery box writing itself. Like, it's not even like I didn't know the, the original Watchmen story. It was just, you know, setting up things that were intentionally put there to be like, well, you're going to have to keep watching if you want to know what this is about. And I loved it. And it was like so unabashedly that. And also, again, like when weird stuff, like when the baby squids fall from the sky and like the story didn't even like blink twice. It was just like, this is something that happens in this world. And I remember the first episode being like, wait, is are they talking about like the actual Robert Redford being president? <laughs> and they were. And I'm like, you know, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love that. But I, I, I dug everything. I dug the aesthetic. I dug all the vigilante things and the, the Seven Calvary as a villain. I did not expect for them to be to peter out as sort of the main conflict. I think the first couple episodes set you up for something that you kind of know where it's going because it follows in the vein of a superhero TV show kind of thing. But it's not really. But by the end of it, it goes in a completely different direction. And I wondered if... if I would have liked to seen see the story without the the without the world of the Watchmen thing in it. Like, right. how would this pan out with with these vigilantes that work with the police taking down this white supremacist terrorist group? I think that concept was really solid and really intriguing. And like, it had to be petered out the more we learn about the characters. But I would have loved to see it um, come more to a head at the end. That was the only thing I I was following the timeline just fine. Like. I, I did a little bit before we got on, I did a little bit of research on on how other people felt by it. And the main thing that came up was like, it's too woke, which I don't take that as a valid criticism. Fuck off. And the thing was like, the timeline was confusing. And I'm just like, I think I was following it just fine. And maybe I made a mistake and thought this was happening then instead of in the past or whatnot. 
but I followed it along just fine. And this the show effortlessly takes that timeline and and uses it not just as like a oh, we're gonna do this machete timeline because it's cool, but because the story calls for it and it's needed for you to sort of peel back the layers of all these characters and the story that's unfolding from those things that happened. Great. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, scene. Uh, I'm go to the bathroom. No, that was great. That was really good. I was impressed. I was like, damn. <laughs> it looks like Andre prepared for this podcast. I was like, oh shit, I just watched this. Was show I not again. supposed to? No, I didn't get that yes, that's what I used to do. But then I broke my fucking shoulders, so I look, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Fuck it. I just want to say before Ian launches in, my favorite song is Regina King killing fucking white supremacists just I, if there was just an hour of that like you're saying yes just her just murdering fucking white crackers i was like i, f- I think i found my new kink i think that's my <laughs> yeah. that's my sexuality yeah okay sorry it's, Ian, it's that and rami malik in the shower yes oh yes oh yes hey hey <laughs> rami malik in the shower you know from that episode of mr robot when he was it's uh doing his acting work it's acting. I don't even remember that episode. Turn down the radio. I don't remember the scene. I'm playing it in my head in slow motion right now. <laughs> mm. And the only other thing I want to say, too, is that our White Rose in Watchmen, her machine actually works. Yeah. Well, it was on its way to working. I guess she and White Rose had the same kind of experience right before they had their moment. They got all dressed up in white and their shit blew up. So exactly. Well, I mean, when she, like, yeah. When she pulled out the hourglass, I was like, white rose. Yeah. Like, we <laughs> all know? were. And then, you know, the fact that she's got this grand machine that she's going to save the day. She's going to fix it all with the machine. I'm like, who borrowed from who? Did no. Sam borrow from? <clears throat> yeah. But at least in this one, we, we, we knew what the machine was going to do. We yeah, saw exactly, the machine. Exactly. It wasn't, it wasn't just <laughs> some teased vague some bullshit opener. about I'll see you again. You know? White Rose is just going to go through a black book and see all of her old lovers again. I was like, I mean, I don't really care. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I loved White Rose, though. I wanted her to be happy, but damn, girl, you could have used her time so much better than that. I'm waiting to save that anger for later. You guys just wait. We're going to yeah, be doing yeah. that robot uh, watch, and I'm probably just, it's going to be two hours of me just ranting. It's on the books for sure. It's yeah. on the books. But okay, Ian, I will shut up now. No, I, I, I uh, uh, similar had that whole confusing thing going on. And then when they, when they it, um, introduced, uh, you know, Manhattan and all these other things, and I didn't know the story. Yeah. Like, I don't know who the Minutemen are and all that other stuff. Me neither. And the relationship. And so I was just kind of like, Oh man, I'm having a hard time. There's here. history here with all of these people. But what they did was they 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 were able to work that all around to the end and have a very clever and nice conclusion to it. You know, something that I'm not used to with a Lindelof uh, yeah, production. That's true. <laughs> Normally he leaves so. you hanging. Well, I don't know if that's him. But yeah, he kind of did that but, with the but leftovers with, too. With this one, it you know it it worked. The ending the ending worked. You you leave me a little cliffhangered. I don't want another season. I don't want another. season I feel either. I feel like I me I too. know these people. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's happening. I think Lindelof doesn't want to do another season. I don't so think I don't Regina. Think I don't think they can't. I don't think they get uh, want to get that cast back. I don't think Regina King's like I did it. That was fun. I don't necessarily need to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're all loving the love. But I think they're all like, we did it. That was magic. That was a perfect season of television. Yeah. Let's not fuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I just can't tell you, like, uh, Regina King in anything, I just, I can't stop looking at her face. 
She's one of these people that I like to watch everything that she does. I study the way she approaches everything. You can see how her mind works. And I just, she's just a badass. And she just gets better with time. She's always been good out of the gate. And then just watching her just walk through this world, plying her trade. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. Make her sounds like a prostitute. Anyway, um, <laughs> she's amazing in this. And then also her, uh, she has a stunt double that's amazing. Um, I don't have the stunt double's name in front of me, but there's a little vignette with her in the series. And I think she's one of the very few black uh, stunt women in the business. And she just makes Regina King, like they're seamless together. I feel like this is where I, I can't tell the difference with the actor and the stunt double, just the way they move, the way she just mimicked Regina running. Because Regina has a very specific way of like running. Mm-hmm. And she's a little almost pigeon-toed like me. She kind of sticks her butt out a little bit. And then she has a very pronounced way of running. She got a big booty like me too. Aw, con. So Hey, how about uh how about the score of this thing? We haven't uh, talked about that. Yes. You know, who was was it Trent, I loved it. Trent Reznor. I I, I think um I think Trent, Trent Reznor, Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, I think they're both kind of underestimated. I know their big breakout score was um the social network. Yeah. Um no, I loved it. I think it fit it fit perfectly for the kind of show. I could totally see a world where, um, I mean, this is those kind of shows where like, um, different scores would do in terms of like style would all work with it because the story has so much to offer in terms of what it could inspire in terms of sound and music. But I think the the route that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross went fit perfectly. Yeah, and I was by the I, I think the the more interesting stuff came up near the end. The last couple episodes, the score was really like, it was just was really working for me. It was working before, but they were doing some really cool things that I really appreciated. And also like, I mean like the only thing I'll say is like by the end, like the, the Mozart lacrimosa thing was like getting like really annoying, but like then they played it up at the end where like, it crescendos and then looking Tip, like Nelson just yeah look at the end and just cuts. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. But that like, that guy <laughs> talks too fucking much. He surely fucking does. Yeah, I'm. I was just. I'm just concerned every time like a TV show uses classical music like that because it's like it gets really overdone. But like with this, it was like, oh, he he's he's not anything. Yeah. He's shit. You know. Yeah. And I love that we've seen it happen. Like I have Sam used Mahler with. Um, Tyrell's moment when after Elliot rejects him in the boardroom, we hear the Mahler, you know, the death dirge. But then sometimes I'm just like, eh, you know, and again, Sam did the same thing in Robot, you know, where is my mind? Everybody uses that one for the character who's got mental illness. I mean, I think we can move on from these moments. But what would have normally bugged me before didn't bug me here. And I was like, it was used as a device. Um, I liked the... In the beginning, and I actually downloaded the soundtrack, which I rarely do uh, these days. Soundtracks kind of come and go, but I'm just addicted to the soundtrack because it reminds me of very 80s movies. It's very 80s. And I love well, that, I think it's you know, because Reznor brings the original that to comics, it. I think the yeah. original comics took place in the 80s. I think and I wonder why. if that yeah. wasn't a conscious decision, right, to, to mm-hmm. do a hail to that. Yeah. That's where we're coming out of. That's the origin story of where we are. And now it makes me want to go back and kind of revisit what the or for the first time what are these comics i watched 
uh, wasn't there a Watchmen there film was, there before? Was, yeah, there was. And that's what threw yeah. me for a loop, too, because I saw that and didn't make much sense. And then I was like almost, I don't know if there's Because there's a Rorschach characters. in the Watchmen. Yeah. And it was different, just a different story. A whole bunch of like cast I, of Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, just a different take. I think that's the, the okay. thing I get from it. And then I, I take it that, that Laurie and all these guys, you know, invite were all part of the Minutemen. Were they yeah. Minutemen? Yeah. They were like, well, yeah, I think, yeah, Laurie was in a, a, a character from the comics. Right. In the, the small amount of research I got in before we recorded. But yeah, I think most of these people and like Adrian Veidt and those people, I think, were from the original comics. And they were the ones who would like would save the day. And I guess they had drama between them and Adrian went too far and he killed three million people. And uh, Laurie went to the to the long arm of the law and became, you know, that I just love. I Can I just talk about how much I love Jean Smart? I loved her in Legion. I think they gave her a new um, path when they put her in Legion. She showed mm-hmm. up, and she's always been good. If you saw her in um, in the series for Fargo, I think she's in, what, season two of Fargo? She plays one of the Kansas City yeah. mob uh, chiefs. She's amazing in that. But when they put her in Legion, I think everybody saw the possibilities of what Jean can do. And she can show up in the middle of this big, beautiful, glitzy uh, sci-fi show and ground the fuck out of it. Her and Regina both do this um, as bookends, if you will, in this. Both sort of like both sides of the law, but different approaches. Maybe the same approach. They're both like fuck it kind of women. Like, I'm just going to go in. Just the way they handled like Judd Crawford's funeral this guy comes out, this Rorschach, Rorschach guy is all rigged up and he's going to blow everybody up and Lori just shoots him in the head. And then, you know, Angela has to throw the dude's body in Crawford's grave and, and uh, save the day. So maybe they are exactly that kind of the cut from the same cloth. But I love Gene in this. I loved seeing Gene going, look, you're going to tell me your little fucking thing you're doing? Just know that I don't give a shit. Her whole, like, yeah. I am over the superhero thing it just plays, and I love how they have her all in black. She's just yeah. elegantly dressed in this really kind of, I don't know, there's a sleekness about her black uh, alongside Angela Abar's black. It's all this kind of, mm-hmm. they're both still in costume in their own ways. It's yeah. I just I just love that they were, they were taking the piss out of uh, Batman in her introduction episode. <laughs> Where he's like not Batman, but he's like clearly Batman. Yeah, <laughs> and she's just like not having it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, she's like, yeah. So yeah, I I love uh, I loved uh, the approach of that. And also, can we just talk about? I hope I'm saying Yaya. Was it Yaya? He plays Calvin. Yaya Abdul Mateen. Yes, the second. Yeah. Junior. I I just again his face. I can't stop looking at his face. He's this beautiful, chiseled face. Just a great guy. Everything about this actor I enjoy. And I keep going, I've seen him in other stuff. And then Ian started listing off his IMDb. I'm like, what? He was Mantis? Yeah. In Aquaman. Um, what else have we seen <clears throat> him in? I've Which I, 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 would, I would totally watch it again just for his parts. Yeah. But like the first time watching, you just, you're just watching Jason Momoa. I mean, just because you're watching him. So I want to see. Um, this guy in more shit. Yeah. Put him in more shit, guys. Uh, also, he's supposed to be in the Matrix Four. Oh yeah, 
2022. Going ahead with that, huh? Um, and Aquaman too. Well, I I wish the Wachowski sisters great success in the Matrix. Hopefully, they can recapture the magic of the first one. I don't know. I don't know. I love those girls, but they do some crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? I was still trying yeah. to figure out Sense Eight. Anyway, um, <laughs> or maybe it was that one Me with uh, Tom Hanks and Halle Berry, that uh, Atlas, whatever. That one. Atlas Shrugged? Yeah. No. Yeah. Was that what it was called? It was an Atlas Shrugged. It was so complicated that your your dad actually sat there with me and tried to, to tell me what it was about. I'm like, I don't even know what just happened. I have no fucking idea just what happened. Um, music was great. Beautifully shot. I was just mesmerized by the fact that we were in Tulsa this entire time. And, mm-hmm. then, we, and then our time in Vietnam. Like, what strange things to put together and I loved it I loved that it was something brand new um it was something completely of another time the Nixon references the Nixonville shit all of that stuff yeah I mean I was I, gonna yeah I I was, the, I'm sorry Go ahead. like the, I don't know when the uh, the graphic novels were written you're saying maybe the 80s or they're hearkening to the 80s but this is stuff that seems to go back even further than that I mean you're having the politics of the 60s involved in this so I love that we were steeped in this time period up to present day. I loved all of that so fucking much. Yeah, I think the I think the the world building was very cool to see and I I also loved the the messaging both like subtle and um not, not so subtle, but what I loved about the whole Vietnam thing is that because they sent Dr. Manhattan to like basically win the Vietnam War, they've basically colonized Vietnam yeah. because when you see in those flashbacks everyone's got like the Watchmen gear on and that's like a strictly American sort of thing in that world yeah. so I thought that was interesting but what what was interesting was like especially the first couple of episodes it was it was tackling this idea of like neoliberalism which I thought was really interesting but I I don't know what exactly was like it sort of felt like there was some cor- sort of critique of like neoliberalism but by the end of it, you're just like, well, no, this is how we should be. Like, I mean, like the first, I guess the second scene is that confrontation with the officer and the the Rorschach guy in the truck. And like the whole thing in that scene is like because he can't get the gun out of the, the holster because it needs to be approved to use it. He gets shot. And I don't know if that's if the message is just like, well, see what happens when we put limitation on caught firearms i don't know if it's where we are today but i'm like i feel like that should be a thing yeah like being having to like get approval to use your firearm and then there was other things like people complaining about how like robert redford who's a democrat has been like president for like much longer than eight years and like the extended like content warning on like the hood of justice tv show and i'm just like and also the the way the the cops like you know like detained everyone in that sort of like it was like the Nixonville camp or something but the whole time I was just like I feel like white people this is so true because I feel like white people would much rather stew in their own racism than join society where black people have a slightly higher advantage yeah because they were paid the reparations and were given the chance to advance in society and I feel like those people are just happy kind of being 
literally just in their like camps because they don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. There was Especially a, where I we mean, are I now. I'm just was, like, damn. <laughs> I'm not looking for realism in my fiction, but I it felt it definitely felt yeah. it rang true for me, as you're saying that this is how people would probably react and they'd be stewing underneath and trying to mastermind a way to be like super cracker um, by stealing Dr. <laughs> Manhattan's <cracker>. power. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's exactly what's, I mean, we're living in a st- such a strange time to be consuming this part- particular piece of content where we are daily challenging why we're, we're waking up a lot of us to our, our cops are out of fucking control. They're murder happy white supremacist fuckers. And again, don't get offended. If you're a police officer and you're a good person and you're actually protecting and serving, no one's talking to you. Like, I don't take Karen as an offense because I don't act like a fucking Karen. So I have long. But you also got to be calling out your your sisters and brothers in blue or exactly you're, you're just complicit. Yeah. Exactly. Cause, and I have law enforcement in my family and I have utmost respect for the ones that, that are actually good at heart. And then there's a couple that are pieces of shit and should not have a badge because they're white supremacists. So I just look at this whole thing and think what an interesting time to be living in, to be watching this because is it same as it ever was? And can you imagine how exhausting it is just to be black, be brown, and then just to be sitting here in this moment watching things change around you and almost being suspect of that, going, are they really going to defund the police? (laughs) Right. Could that possibly be true? And then every day the cops just keep proving why we need to do that. And then you see on camera like the guy trying to get the gun out, you know, course we found with uh Derek Chauvin he didn't need a gun to murder George Floyd he just needed his knee and a very right. dangerous mindset of his fellow officers to yeah. let it happen well yeah and I I think the TV show makes that point is that just because they don't have the firearms they can be just as if not more violent yeah. I think honestly my take is that the TV show said that even if we do take these measures, any sort of law enforcement is going to abuse its power. Right. And and I think the message was literally like, maybe we should have more vigilantes. I don't know. I don't know what it was trying to say, but yeah. like, I think the whole thing about like the gun being holstered and stuck in the jammer is like, well, if a vigilante was there, he wouldn't have to do that. But also just like, I guess the whole thing, how the, the show treats the law essentially and kind of almost like mocks it especially with the hood of justice thing and the, the black and white movie we keep coming back to that we saw in the beginning um, with uh, Will in the theater, watching all of that. Like what it, what is the law <laughs> essentially? What is like, the law? Is it really yeah. working for us? What, with Adrian Veidt is stuck on, you know, Europa and he doesn't want to be there with these creatures who worship him. And he literally to kill eight years sets a, up a super villain and it ends up in a court you know, and you see justice being a play acting. Yeah. And then you see Laurie Blake's FBI. They seem to be toothless. Um, they seem to be outmatched and about 15 steps behind, except for Laurie being the smartest one on the team. You got Angela Akbar's, Akbar, Angela Abar's, you know, brand of justice comes from her own childhood. Uh, looking up to that female police officer the boy who murdered uh, his parents because he himself was a victim of the aggression by the Americans. 
you know, he's taken around the corner and shot. Then you have a fucking trial. That's their justice, you know, and good old the state of Vietnam. Right. So you're left pondering how complicated and plaid these issues are. But I really was struck by that notion, too, that the liberals are really no better. Um, that this is all happening on Robert Redford's watch. Well, and it also it, it it's you know you have that superhero, but then these superheroes are are pretty violent. Well, Doctor Manhattan. I mean, yeah. the point has been made several times during the series that he could have done more. Yeah. Will He's, Reeves yeah. says that at the end. He said, "Why didn't he do some shit with his power? Where has yeah. he been? He's creating a utopia on another world. Why wasn't he here doing shit on this earth?" I think it's kind of interesting that that. You know, we have the M- MCU, you know, heroes. And then we have this sort of other brand of, of heroes on this side. You know, Preacher, this. Even that, what's that other one that we had? Um, the club, the not boys. the club. The boys, yeah. 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 So there's this other side of the coin. It's really interesting to see how our society is wanting to see that as well. There's a lot of darkness around superheroes because... Because you know, it, it, it is, I mean... We created the superhero because we feel powerless in our daily lives. That's why people invented Jesus. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a real guy. Um, <laughs> you know, that's why we invent these things so we won't be so alone in the dark, so we won't yeah. feel so powerless, so we can have an escape because you will lose your mind if you don't have, you know, maybe something to take your mind off the fact that once you leave your house and you're, you do the wrong thing, or hell, if you're sitting in your house, or if you're Breonna Taylor and you're just sleeping in your house, the cops can come and just take your life and get off scot-free. Please arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor now, and the killers of Elijah McClain. We have a list. Um, won't let up. Won't stop talking about it. I know you might find it obnoxious, but the girl was just in her bed doing nothing but living her life. and She was killed by three murderous fucking cops. So... When we look at this fiction, I felt uneasy this entire time going, I feel like I was slipping through some sort of time crack, watching Watchmen and then being ever-present in this moment in history. I don't know if you guys had that same surrealistic reaction. Well, it was almost like every single every single sort of, I guess uh, I don't want to say trope, but every single idea that you ha- we have that we anchor ourselves into, you know, this one, this show really didn't have that because it blurred the lines of everything. And the only thing we could really anchor into was Angela's story. Angela Akbar is a badass, and she looks great as, as you know, Sister Knight. That's her. Her journey was the only thing that I felt true all the way through. Yeah, where I could be like, I could come back and be like, okay, in my confusion. Where is she? What is she doing? How is she thinking she's going to set me right? There's something to be said, too, for Beyond's decision to go in and steal, you know, sample 2346 and impregnate herself. And, you know, you can see the look on her face as she's being put in the cop car by um, Pirate Jenny and Red Scare. She's sitting in the back of the squad car like, what have I done? I've lost my child. I put this in motion. And everybody's taking stock of their part in this. Angela says to Dr. Manhattan, did I do this? I just told Will Reeves in New York about Judd Crawford being Mm. a white supremacist. She sets that in motion. And Beyond is sitting there going, 
I'm culpable in this. I created this crazy, you know, psychopathic daughter, you know. And even Adrian recognizes when he says in Latin, you know, takes one to know one. We got to stop this chick because I know from whence I speak, we don't stop. It's just what we do. Right. There's a lot of just so much to kind of take away from the series that I'm sure you could teach it in a course easily at UCLA. 86, 87, that's when it came out. 86, 87, the comics? Mm-hmm. Mm. That makes sense. I think there's also, there was a a theme that kept popping up was just like, even though like we've, we've paid um, the reparations that the black community was due and we acknowledged the, the terrible acts of violence and the racism, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as capitalism is still in play, the only people with the power are the people like Adrian Veidt and Lady True, who have the money. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was interesting. Like, even though, like, there are things that we perceive as the changes that we want, as long as we still have a faction of society uh, that that can hoard all of its wealth and hang it over the rest of everybody, then the, we're not going to make any real progress. We're not going to make any progress. We're not going to be free. There's always going to be the haves and the have-nots and the slaves and the masters. Well, it happens yeah. when when, like, their shit gets so expensive and no one has jobs to buy their shit. It, I mean, they, they collapse. Well, we're about to find that out in about 15 fucking minutes <laughs> right? in the United States of America. Uh, Guess we'll have to go back to Econ 101 and see how it works out. Oh, it's going to be okay. They gave us $1,200 three weeks ago. So everybody's still good? Everybody's still got their $1,200? Nope. <laughs> the fuck, man? Um, hopefully. I don't know. I, I find myself... I think it's because I am in a lot of pain and I have weeks to go before I'm healed up. But right now, I'm just like, maybe I should start watching The Bachelor. Maybe I just need to climb into the, the stupid pond and flop around for a while and let my mind rest. But I can't. I just can't. I just keep like, keep watching these stories and going, I got to go further on my journey. I got to fill my brain with the truth of what has happened in the past. Not that I ever ran from it. Like I said, I've sought it out my entire life, but I guess I was just scratching the surface too. So it took Watchmen to teach me in 2020 about the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. Was yeah. it 1921? 1921. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blowing me away, guys. Blowing me away. That's what I'll be doing in my time. It's one of these little things I've been doing um, because I can't type. My right arm is so locked in, and I feel very trapped in my own body, right? So I'm doing uh, this thing that this is going to so tell my age. It's just going to be such a fucking Gen X fucking moment. But I was just sitting here going, hey, I have this little microphone thing on my remote, and I can go to YouTube, and I can just look up stuff. Because I do. I spend a lot of time on my phone like searching for stuff. Something will occur to me, and I'll go, well, what does the 13th Amendment say? I spent, I don't know if you guys use your phone this way, but I use my phone to constantly look up shit. I still can't get over the fact that I have a computer in my hand. Yeah, girl. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm still, like, from an age that was pre-internet, so I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to look up stuff. Recipes, and what does Portugal look like? What does the land where Andre, uh, where he comes from, what does that look like? There were no monkeys in the picture. There were no fezzes. I was very <laughs> shocked to look at Lisbon and go, oh, there's no one dresses it at all like I thought they would dress. Um, so I've been sitting on the couch 
with my remote speaking like <laughs> searching for things into my my Roku remote and I've been uh, going on quite the journey it's been really fun that's where I've been I'll, I'll actually get around to reading books later but right now I'm just watching a lot of <laughs> YouTube videos on black history I've almost got the black national anthem memorized I've only had I always like remember the first half of it my job and my recovery is to be able to know every single word of the Black National Anthem. It's very long. It's a lot going on in that song. So, I mean, do you guys know the words of the Black National Anthem? I did not even know there was one. Lift every voice and sing. I'm telling you. Amanda Sales does a great bit on it uh, in her stand-up back on HBO. She said she was, um, she was at a party the night that Obama got elected, and she said it was just a sea of black people and Bradley Cooper. And uh, and a few, like, a lot of white people who thought they were, like, really down, like, really down. They had been invited to the barbecue. They were in this room, predominantly black people, like, high status. And everybody, you know, in celebration just spontaneously launched in to lift every voice and sing. And she said, and you could see all the white people in the room who thought, who thought they had it all dialed in, <laughs> looking at each other going, that's everything. Did not know it. Did not know. And the, the audience was singing along with Amanda. It's a great bit. I highly encourage you to, to watch that. Well. Um, that's it for the discussion of Watchmen. What's uh, everybody uh, watching besides Watchmen and other stuff? What are recommendations do y'all have? So, well, since we're technically in Pride Month, but Pride Month is, yes. you know, is year-round for me. Yes. Um, We only got two days, but... Please, please, please go watch Love, Victor on Hulu. Mm -hmm. It is so sweet. I had diabetes by the end of it. Um, it is just, it is just so, it's so fluffy. I just love it. And it's, it's, I love the fact that the ga the younger gays have like a high school TV show that they can watch because uh -huh. I would have killed for something like that when I was a younger gay. Um, but no, it's like, it's like high camp and like, it's just, I really love it a lot. Um, yeah, so go check it out. It has the biggest thing that it's it's got going for it is the fact that it has a queer Latinx lead, which is like basically unheard of. Um, and it it doesn't shy away from that. Um, and I really, really love it. So yeah, definitely, definitely give that a watch if you can. It's only ten episodes, they're only thirty minutes long. You literally I can you can get through it in like five, six hours. It's like nothing. Cool. Yeah. And then I highly recommend Betty on HBO. Um those, these crazy kids in New York. I don't know. The people in New York are just a whole different planet of people. And these are the youngins. These are the Gen Zs in the streets. Or maybe these are younger than that. I don't know. But anyway, I'm fascinated. I can't stop watching it. Um, it's one of my favorite delights. And all the kids are like, it's just the, it's the new world of non-binary, non-conforming. It's just all this cool shit that I'm like, I'm fascinated and I want to learn more and I want to get myself all steeped into that so I can be hip. Hello, fellow young children, queer people. Um, <laughs> Where can we watch this? It, that is on HBO. It's called Betty. Okay. okay. I'm not really quite sure it's quite, it's called Betty. I just started it, but it's uh these, these uh, kids are going out to the park to skateboard and it's just sort of like a, a free flowing style of a show that I quite like. Hey, what did you guys make of the fact that Will Reeves is bi? Did that register with anyone? Will and oh. his lover, you know, and he's living in his lover's estate when we find him in New York when he's mm -hmm. older. So 
I'm like, did that ever come up in anyone's criticism of it? I think it's be well, not really. I mean, it was the thing that happened. They shouldn't be criticizing it. <laughs> but it's yeah. really funny because he finds this, you know, he I was kind of stunned by the fact that Will would end up with a white guy because it felt like Will's whole thing was rooting out injustice because he was very much present in his mind as a young boy fleeing that massacre. So mm-hmm. I was I was shocked that he ended up with a white dude. Not that he was gay, not a shock. Or pan or bi or whatever his sexuality is, we don't know. Um, but the fact that he was with a white dude. I think what that specifically, what stood out for me was like, I felt like that white guy was like kind of using him as like a prop. Yeah. A little bit, you know? Because he's like, oh, I have like <laughs> the black guy on my team, on my yeah. superhero team. It felt very skeevy. Yeah, it did. I didn't feel like he was. I didn't feel like really good about the relationship. And, and was he was like, censored too, right? Remember yeah. at the, the press conference? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was one of those moments. Where, oh, we're having a pride moment. Oh, we're not. We're not having a pride moment. That's not, that's, that's not a good example. Um, there's lots of other good, beautiful, delicious, delightful LGBTQI stuff out there. There's, and, and again, I celebrate pride every day. I started hanging the pride flag up like the middle of May. Um, if you need, yeah, there you go. If you need a uh, a queer family to love and accept you, uh, we're here. So shout yeah, out and definitely. reach out to us. I'll be your I'll be your auntie. I'll be the good kind. I'll be the good auntie. You know, I won't be chain smoking sitting here, you know, in the trailer going, you know, MAGA twenty twenty. I'm like, you know, I'll be the good aunt, right? Not that the tra- there's anything wrong with trailers. Um, <laughs> I grew up on one, so. I'm going to, what was I going to recommend? The Politician. Politician. We did watch that. That was one of the things on the list to watch. It was kind of fun. It was an interesting uh, Ryan Murphy's take on the political mindset experience versus the new fresh progressive voice. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Bette Midler and Lucy Boynton's scenes together. I don't know why. Though, just I, It's a combination I didn't know I wanted. Um, but it, that was a delight. And also Judith Light, when she's not on like a, an obnoxious show like um, Transparent, which I loathed. I know all you guys loved it. I fucking hated it. Because Jeffrey Tambor, why? Before we even knew he was problematic, I didn't understand why we couldn't have a trans actor in the lead on a show about a trans person. Anyway, um, it wasn't like you just started doing this. But I, she was just obnoxious in that. And I was like, a oh, lot of Judith Light's too much. But she's perfect in this. She's really great in this. It was a backhanded compliment. Sorry, Miss Light. You're fabulous. Um, and I suck. So, yeah. I don't know if I would rec- I mean, watch it if you want to. If you want to. I still think um, get yourself deeply entrenched in Queen Sugar. It's a lot of episodes. I'm trying to get through it, but it's so good. I stop. I get mad. I rage against the sky. I'm like, Ava Ava DuVernay knows. She knows. She knows (laughs) all the things. Uh, So if you want to watch anything right now that's sort of relevant, anything by Ava, I would say, is good. As far as queer filmmakers, who's rocking it out of the park right now? Who's really... Got their finger on the pulse. Of well, the no one's making content. movies right now. Uh. Well, that's been ma- yeah, that's right. That's been made. 
before the the COVID landed. Um, tell us what your favorite filmmakers are. I'll suggest some uh, some titles to us. We appreciate that. Yeah, that's it. We're gonna take yep. it on out of here. We don't know when we're gonna be back. It'll it won't be too long. Might even be next weekend. We gotta go off and consume some stuff and have some points of view, and we'll come back. But we guys hope that you're taking care of yourselves and getting sleep and not tripping over pet stairs and breaking your shoulder because that's not fun. Well, I was going to say we have, we have Hamilton coming up this weekend. <gasps> so I think we did want to come and talk about that. Yes. What am I? Yeah. I am high. I am so high. Yes. Yeah. You will. The next time you hear from us, it will be um, shortly thereafter the screening of Hamilton, Hamilton. on the Disney plus channel. If you don't yeah. have it, get it. Borrow it from a friend. Didn't hear that from me, Disney. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's when we'll be back. See, yeah. I'm not even loopy from drugs. I just think I just think I've lost my mind in the pandemic, in the it's revolution. Fine. Yeah, one day at a time, Lisa. One day at a time. For me, it's moments. It's one moment at a time. <laughs> this is the moment. So yeah, we'll be back. And we'll, uh, we're going to work out a fully choreographed. No, we're not doing any of that. Um, I'm going to rap for you. Yeah. No, let's, let's please not. I do think that uh, there's that joke by that comedian on the shop. He was like, Come on, no, that's not hip hop. That's not hip hop. That's, that's, not, that's not hip hop. And it, it also made a lot of white people feel like they could rap. And I feel like it gave a lot of white people false hope. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving, though. <laughs> Oh, once he grows up past the age of six and does that, he's just going to get beaten up. So maybe make him stop. Take it down. Hamilton take shit. it down from YouTube. Take yeah, by the time down. he gets it's to eighth grade, bro, well. you got to stop. <laughs> by the time stop. he's out of middle school, he'll be like, nah. He's going to be canceled by the time he gets into middle school. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Or it might just, you know, give him explosion. He'll be the next lin-manuel miranda oh you never know look we can be hopeful and not the cynical bastards that we jonathan groff you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly all right uh you guys take care of yourselves and we will see you very soon and we love you okay all right bye guys bye <laughs>